Hermine Hartman, and this is a special edition of Indigo Studio, Coverswa Black, in partnership with the Robert McCormick Foundation. And today we're going to be talking about COVID with survivors, those who have had it and survived it. Our guest, Reverend Ira Acri in Chicago from Greater St. John Bible Church, and Pastor Marvin Hunter of Grace Memorial Church, both from the west side of Chicago. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us today to share your experience uh, with this um, COVID-19. So Reverend Acri, let me start with you. What, what were your initial symptoms that made you question that you might have COVID-19? I was preaching Mother's Day. <clears throat> First of all, leading up to that week, I had some body aches and I had a fever. And uh, anyway, I wanted to preach Mother's Day. I wanted to preach. It was a virtual service. And uh, I started preaching that Sunday. And in the middle of the sermon, I just went on a coughing spree. I mean, I coughed so much until I was embarrassed. And I said, okay, I'm going to take a two-week break because, watch this, people are going to think I got COVID-19. <laughs> and so... Anyway, <clears throat> that next day, my wife, she went to get tested and she came back positive. Mm -hmm. And I just immediately start quarantining myself. I start talking smart and saying stuff like, hey, listen, I don't need no doctors to tell me to quarantine. I'll quarantine myself. They don't have no medicine to give me and all of that. And so I, I went into the immediate 14 day quarantine. And then my mother, it's amazing. These mothers got so much influence. She said, boy, you better get down there and get tested. I said, mom, I'm not going to get tested now. And we went through all of that. And so finally I went down there <clears throat> and I got tested uh, real quick. First, when they gave me the test, they put a little something uh, in my nose and came back about 20 minutes later and said, uh, I didn't have it. And then um, he said, we got to give you another test. I said, I thought you said I didn't have it. And then he uh, shoved something up in my nose and I, I said something I can't repeat because I'm a pastor and my members may be watching. And, uh, and, and I said, man, eventually I'm gonna have something if you guys keep messing with me. Anyway, the next day they called me and told me that I had it. That's but your wife, your wife had it first? Yes, she, she had it positive. First. Yes, she had it first, but I'm certain that she, she got diagnosed first, but I am sure when I retract that she got it from me. So you really think you had it first and you gave it to her? Yep, but the thing about it, uh, she had been at the house, not even doing any real estate. She had been at the house. But, but me, <laughs> I'm still going to the church, and I know a couple risky situations I put myself in in the name of I want to be a good pastor. So what, 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 were those, what were those risky situations? <laughs> My, um, just serving a family. I uh, went by to uh, be with them, and uh, they had all kind of family members there because a relative had just passed. And I came in trying to preach to them. I said, you guys, you know, I know you guys are families, your sisters and brothers, your aunts and uncles, but you got a social distance. And so everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy. I go in the room and I pray with 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 the with the family member, and then I, I, I start praying, and, and it's amazing. Uh, I start talking to the Lord and then a couple of relatives run in there and they start, Oh my God, grabbing people. And I so called in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I got my head and coat and I left. <laughs> it was, it was bizarre. So social distancing 
was not practiced in that situation. And practiced. you think that's how you got. See, that's yeah. what I want to bring out is, is how you got it, but, and what did you do? But we've got to adhere to these rules, these protocols that they're giving us. Sure. So you got, you got to practice it. And that was the only incident over those few weeks that I, I could reference what in there was no social distancing being practiced and and people had violated my space and obviously I was a little disturbed by it. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Reverend Hunter, what was your experience? How do you think you you contracted uh COVID? Well, I could have gotten COVID from a number of different places. Um when I began to think about it, first thought I'd contracted it from uh family members because about 50 of my family members had went to the Mardi Gras. About 20 of them had went to, uh, to Miami for spring break. And they all came back to the church, uh, you know, or to the house, mom's house. But the real truth of the matter is only uh, eight of my family members actually had COVID. So that kind of debunked that. I then realized that I had a concert that I do every year in commemoration of the life of one of my nephews that was murdered here in Chicago and probably had about five, 600, 800 people. The young man that was, that was emceeing and, was, and we did a song together. We were passing the mic back and forth and sweating and, and so on and so forth. He had just got off a plane and came from China. Hmm. I didn't find this out until months and months later. And he had, he had been around me. Then I realized that I'd had a meeting with a young lady that had been to Wuhan. At the Japan, in, in, Wuhan. in China, in China, she had okay. Been Wuhan. She had went there to do some trade. And she came to the church to meet with me. And we, and we talked, and this was months before February. This was like around November, December. And then I was around another young man that had been to Wuhan. So actually I'd been around three people that had been to China and I didn't know it until after. Uh, so that along with one day that I can remember, I'm in Target and I'm getting some apple juice or something. And the guy stands there and he sneezed. And I get scared to death. So I think about it. But from that day, I started going downhill. I don't think I got it from that person in particular, but I think I was around it in a lot of instances. Social distancing was a major part of how I believe I contracted this. I've never been to China. Uh, in fact, uh, in the last year or so, I haven't been past 95th Street. <laughs> so, so again, it's, it was a social distance issue. Yes. Okay, so, and what were your symptoms? Reverend Acri said he was coughing. What what did you what 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 told you you had it? In in November December I did have the cough, and I was hacking. And I but the doctors couldn't give me anything. They didn't know what was going on. So I took Romatus and went away. But when it came back in February, from February to March, when March 29th when I got diagnosed, I'm in the emergency room. I had breathing issues, severe chronic breathing issues. I didn't have body aches. I didn't have, you know, I had a, uh, what they call a low-grade fever. I kept experiencing low-grade fever, but, but it was breathing issues. And to this day, I'm actually experiencing it 
you know, I, I healed, I, my, my lungs are healing. Uh, so I thought maybe it was blood clots and so on and so forth. So they, they tested me for those things and they cleared me of that. And I'm being told that the lungs just take time to heal. Uh, I had breathing issues. I mean, to the point where I should have been on a ventilator, but I was, I was very afraid of getting on the ventilator because everybody kept going on the ventilator, kept dying. Mm-hmm. So my thing was, if I'm gonna die, I'm just gonna die like I came in the world. Mm-hmm. Hey, can I can I say something? <laughs> uh, actually, I had the breathing issues as well. Uh, the coughing gave me the signal. I had some body aches, but the most traumatic thing for me was that breathing piece. Yes. And the doctor yes. told me. He says, "Sir, if you <laughs> if you have." any issues with breathing and it escalates, you're going to have to go to the uh, emergency room. I said, are you kidding me? Because I was afraid. I know of the various people. My chairman of my board uh, died on Palm Sunday uh, and he had breathing challenges. He had a ventilator. So I'm thinking, I'm going to find out what I can do to deal with this short-windedness. And so I went where all of the bright minds go when they need information. I went to YouTube, <laughs> and uh, YouTube told me when you're short-winded, uh, it's, one of the uh, prescriptions was simply this, crack the window, circulate a fan, <clears throat> see how that works. And I promise you, I did that for two days, and it started getting better. And I was so happy because I feel like Pastor Hunter, I was not going to die uh, in an emergency room trying to get some ventilation through some type of respirator or ventilators. I had, I didn't want to have any problem. I didn't want to have any issues with a ventilator. That was not going to be an option for me. I, I can tell you that much. Yeah, so I then began to uh, use a lot of the, the herbal uh, supplements and treatments that uh, my grandmother and friends of mine, like you, Hermine, and others, uh, recommended. And uh, I began to take those, and I'm taking them now. I've always been an avid... Uh, person about vitamins and so on and so so forth. Uh, so I, I began to do that and uh, it has taken me from March 29th to now. Again, I still have uh, mild uh, breathing issues, but uh, I preached Sunday I was, and I sang. Matter of fact, I sang with Reverend Jackson on Friday and I was an amazing voice that day. Uh, in fact, we, that thing is going viral on YouTube, the small wow. Now, Reverend Hunter, you, your wife also got COVID. Did you, did you, did she contact that, contract that from you? I'm not sure. Uh, my wife and I work very close in ministry and, and uh, in, in a lot of the advocacy work I do. Uh, and so some of the places that I was in, most of the places that I was, she was. So she could have either gotten it from me or she could have, you know, contracted it from one of the relatives as well. Plus, I, my daughter works in the Chicago public school system. And she actually wound up exhibiting the symptoms along with one of my, two of my grandbabies. And we kept the babies all the time. And the doctor kept saying, they don't know what's wrong. They don't know what's wrong. Hmm. And everybody healed but me till now. God, God delivered. But her, her symptoms were different than yours. Very different. And she didn't and, have the severity that you had. She had the, the, a higher fever range. She okay. didn't have low-grade fever. She had the high fever, but she only had it strangely for three days, and then it went away, and she's never had any other complications. She had, oh, and she had the stomach issue that okay. comes along with it. 
So that happened for three days and she's never looked back. Okay. So she really had a mild, she had, she had a bad cold. That's, she, she, that's she, what it amounted to. Yes. Okay. Yes. Did she test positive for COVID? She did. She did. Okay. okay so she did. She, yeah. she did have COVID. How did a newly emerged coronavirus manage to hold the entire world at its mercy? Why was advanced medical research not able to combat its spread? And is this merely the start of other potentially unstoppable global pandemics? question that became quite controversial when the government uh, shut us down and said stay at home and that was the church the church was considered non-essential essential places were open but the church was not because how did you all feel about the church being shut down with the COVID um, the, the you know, with the outbreak of, of COVID and you had COVID and you might've gotten it from church. So, but how did, how, how did you react to that? How did you do that? And I think you're still shut down. Tell, to talk about the church being shut down, uh, Reverend Acri, uh during the COVID period. Well, <clears throat> I, uh, I think uh, me and Pastor Hunter, we kind of had a different, we had a conversation about that. I, uh, I kind of pull the trigger quick. I pull the trigger quick. And um, <clears throat> I just didn't want to be on the news on the negative side and, and, and people's lives be, their blood be on my hands. So that's, I went on to pull the trigger. Now, um, I, think, I think it's the right thing to do. I mean, I knew it was really serious when the NBA shut down and then all of these other leagues shut down and Major League Baseball. I said, wait a minute something is there's a dead cat on the line no pun intended and so um i think it was the right thing to do <clears throat> i do not appreciate um the mayor and the governor's uh arrogant manner in which they handled the, the pastors i just didn't like that you know I, I mean, i'm a supporter of the mayor i'm not a supporter of the governor but i'm a supporter of the mayor but uh i didn't appreciate that and 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 it's like they would tell everybody uh, 10 people. That makes no sense. I mean, I see 400. Mark, Pastor Marvin Hunter probably see, sees around the same amount. And um, they're going to tell us 10. And then Reverend Meeks could only have 10. And then the storefront on the corner that holds 40 people, they can have 10. I mean, just no kind of rhyme or reason with how they were handling that. Were you, know? you, were you can, so it sounds like from what you're saying, the churches not only were shut down, but there was really no consideration on the size of the church. It was to so accommodate. Cool. Reverend Meeks with ten, you with ten, the storefront with ten. Those are various various uh, sizes of, of congregations. Yes. Not considered. Not considered at all. Made no <laughs> sense. Even even today, I think uh, we've been making that case. Those that 
have access to the governor and all those people, all those other people, how it should be a capacity like right. they do with restaurants. Right, right. 25%, you know, until, you know, everything is uh, all the way open again. Now you're still, you're still not holding service. <laughs> I, I, uh, Physically I soft, in church. I had a soft opening. I had a soft opening uh, last Sunday. They, they say you can have 50. Uh, I got my musicians and, um, and my uh, praise team coming. And so what I did, I had my administrative pastor. I said, call a few people, let, let a few people come. And so I guess in the 400 seat, we had 21 people and they all scattered around. It's a crazy sight, I can tell you that much. I mean, it's you know, we usually come in there, you know, pretty deep and everybody's sitting there next to each other. High five your neighbor, praise God. You know, people sitting, some people had a whole pew to themselves. Some people had two pews to themselves. Hmm. You know, so um, we're just doing a soft opening, but we, we're trying to master these particular mm -hmm. uh, steps. Mm -hmm. uh, we want to find out before we start bringing people in, are we going to use the thermometer to measure people? All this kind of stuff is kind of weird right. for me coming to church. Right. And then I also want to, I really want to gauge and see the interest. Since we made the soft opening last Sunday, I can honestly tell you, my phone has not been ringing off the hook. Pastor, uh, when can we come? I mean, so I, I'm not sure how much uh, people are ready to come inside the church in massive numbers in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic. I'm not certain. Mm -hmm. Reverend Hunter, how did, you, how did you feel about that and how did you handle that from, uh, from a pastor standpoint? Well, from a, from a religious standpoint, I rejected it because I felt, number one, that church is an essential part, especially of American life. Amen. And we tend to forget that we live in a country that is built on Christian Judeo values. Matter of fact, our constitution, I always said, is a draft of the Magna Carta. And therefore, everything about this country says that the church is essential. And I felt like that our leadership, the mayor and the governor, who were the only two doing the talking, they let them guy else talk, tried to minimize the church. And to the degree that they violated our constitutional rights. See, in the constitution it says that there is a separation of church and state. That separation of church and state, when the founding fathers put it together, was not meant to, to protect the government from the church. It was meant to protect the church from the government. In America, the church is primarily a sovereign government within itself. But even we were living in state of emergency, and we're still really living in state of emergency with this pandemic. So that gives politicians that gives elected officials uh, another power. And the power is to do what they think is right for the safety of the citizens. Now you both have said, you, don't, you might not agree with it, but you both said you contacted the disease from activity in the church. So the social distancing factor did have some, some, some play. I mean, it was the right thing to do. How do you, how do you account for that? Well, See, that's a half answer to okay. what I'm trying to bring out. Okay. Truth of the matter is, what I'm saying is this. First of all, 
that is not quite the way it is. Unless they invoke martial law, the Constitution is still the law, the rule of law. <clears throat> you were not under a wartime act. There was no martial law. And so therefore, you have to abide by the laws of this country. And the laws of this country says that the church is a sovereign government within itself. So you don't tell me what to do. You sit down and talk to me and you let me help you understand where my pain is so that I can help you help me help my people. You, he wouldn't have went, he couldn't, the governor of Illinois can't go to the governor of, of Indiana and tell him nothing. He can talk with him and they can reason together. The mayor of the city of Chicago cannot go to the president of Cook County Board and tell her anything. They can reason together and come up with a plan whereby everybody can coexist. I am saying that the church is essential and they are taking the church out of its essential role. Listen to me, Hamid, and pastor, and whoever else hears this. If you move the church and the police from American society, you're going to have a lawless society and ain't gonna be able to stay here. The reason that we're in what we're in right now is because they moved the church and, 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 was, and had allowed the police to run rampant by themselves. We must have our mechanisms of civilized civilization in play. Those people were hurting and they were afraid. They put every lie from the White House to the outhouse on television, 24 hours a day and seven days a week. People were petrified. And when you get scared, I don't know about you per se, honey, but when people get scared, they say, can you pray? They want to be able to call the pastor. They want to be able to feel like it. I tell the people and been telling them for 30 years that the church is the local focal point of an earthly place to make a heavenly connection with God. Then how you don't lock the door? Now, if they would have talked to me, I could have helped them help me come up with a social distancing plan, but they didn't talk to me. They told me to shut up and sit down, but they opened the whole house. They opened the weed house. They opened the bell house where alcohol could be sold. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you both this. You both experienced COVID yourselves. Yes. What did you tell your parishioners what advice did you give your parishioners? Now, here's a disease that's running rampant, more rampant in the black community than anywhere else. What advice did you give your parishioners on coping with COVID? Listen, I want to answer that, but I need to fit in this, in this like this. The president of the Cook County Board was exposed to COVID. Hmm. Cook County government kept running. The mayor of the city of Chicago was exposed to COVID. The city of Chicago continued to run. When the, you say they were exposed, what do you mean? Yes, they were exposed. Everybody on their team that was close to them, that were oh, in their team. Experience. Mm -hmm. And they could have tested positive and just lied about it. Let's just be real. The next thing of about it is the, the governor was exposed to it. Okay. Lied about it. So here's how it works. I have a body in my church that governs that church. If Reverend Hunter died tonight, Grace Memorial don't close. There are people in line that can keep that church. That church is 56 years old. I'm not 56. It was going before I was born. And when I die, it'll continue to go because there's mechanisms that are put in place and people that are put in place to continue to run it. When I was contacted with COVID, 
there were people that stepped up and were able to continue the process because people still needed prayer. They still needed their last rite. They still need sacrament. They still needed to bring their tithe, which is a, a ritual that is very important to a deeply devout Christian. They needed to do that. And, and listen, they took away the economics of the church and gave everybody a stimulus package but the church. What they're trying to do is fix it so that the church will never open again. That's what they're doing. Because oh, Reverend they Hunter. Start cutting lights and gas off. Reverend Hunter. Let me, can, I, can I say something? I mean, they're not trying to close the church. That's the way it looks. Okay, but now, okay, but you didn't answer my question. What did you tell your parishioners? You had I told, I told my you? parishioners this. This is what I did. I, I my team together because I have a because we've been doing this pandemic for years. This is not the first time. This is started under the Obama administration. We started practicing for pandemic at Captain High Times. Remember, we used to go out there and they would do the teachings for us. So I told my parishioners that listen, if you need food, here's who you contact. If you need clothing, here's who you contact. If you if you are getting uh, if you're going to be fired on your job. Here's what we're going to do. We kept the line of communications over. I put my leaders to work. We began to do things to help calm the people's spirits, and it worked, and our church stayed together. So you had an emergency plan. Yeah, we all, they, we have been practicing it since the Obama administration. We've okay. been meeting and practicing it. Okay, Reverend Ackery. I just want to say uh, simply this. Uh, the church is essential, and uh, it's so unfortunate that they declared uh, liquor stores essential and abortion clinics essential mm. and the church non-essential and the truth of the matter is everybody know knows that the church if it wasn't for the church uh, being providing mentors for young people and being big brothers and uh, big sisters for young people that this generation would be much worse off uh, the church provides so much um, counseling uh people have we've kept people out of jail the church has an arm that's really changing and impacting lives and so to be considered non-essential uh was a slap in the face but nevertheless <clears throat> even though the church the doors may have been locked uh the church is not limited to a structure it's not limited to an edifice the church's reach is beyond the building. The church has left the building, but the church is still being effective. Uh, and, and, and let me just make a correction. When I contacted or contracted COVID-19, I was not in the church building. Uh, right. I, I was at someone's home. You were of service. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 I was in someone's home. But when I, when I contracted it, <clears throat> I uh, wanted to tell my church immediately, very similar to what Pastor Hunter said, I, um, I, I, the only way we were able to communicate was virtually. And so uh, I decided to do a Facebook Live. I didn't even do it on my own Facebook page. I did it, on, did it on my church page because I wanted to talk directly to them. Now, other people end up hearing it. That's fine. But <clears throat> I told them what, uh, that I had contracted a virus, and I uh, wanted them to know that this is very serious. Um, this is very, um, the social distancing, uh, I want to be very straightforward with you guys. The church is safe. The Bible says, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I told them I will be all right, but in the instant, in, in the event that I don't, this is an institution, 
it, it was it was gone before I got here and it will be gone long after I'm gone. And I empowered <clears throat> associate pastors and board members to go ahead and move forward with the church. And uh, I'm embarrassed to say that the church was operating better when I was gone. So it's, <laughs> it's doing a great job, isn't it? <laughs> Operation. It's it, it, and we're here to save lives. The Bible is what we're built upon, and we're empowering lives. Our church exists, and any Christian church does. We exist to renew the lives of seekers and believers alike, strengthening families, transforming communities, and changing the world. And, and JB and Lori can close the doors again. But guess what? The church will still thrive. The church will still live because um, the Lord started the church. And, and he that has begun a good work in us, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. From, from your experience with COVID and your ministry, how did your lives directly change from the COVID-19 personal experience? I am a better man. I am not the same man. I am not the same man I was. You're, you're improved. I am not the same man. Honest to God, I am not. I see life in a whole nother way. Uh, my seriousness about time is, is at another level. Um, and let me clear something up. Sometimes when I speak, it sounds like I'm, I'm angry with, with maybe politicians and so on and so forth. But the truth of the matter is I'm not. I'm, I'm, but I'm very passionate about us getting the language right. Dr. King often talks about getting the language right. In this case, when you hear me talk about the church being open, I'm not trying to scold the mayor or the governor or anyone. I'm trying to get the language right. The language right is that the church is essential. There is no America without the church. We are one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And, and that the, the foundation of that thought begins at the church. And so we must continue this course of trying to stop people from unraveling that core belief of who we are as a country. Listen, had it not been for the church, we'd still be slaves in this country. Amen. But give me, Reverend Ackery, I want to ask you the same question. How did your life change after <clears throat> you realize and after you experienced COVID-19? Well, when I first uh, got the news that um, I had contracted COVID-19, the first thing, I went into a state of shock, quite mm -hmm. frankly. And then I uh, began to uh, question God. I did. I mean, uh, I said, Lord, why me? I'm Not to say I'm any better than anybody else, but Lord, I'm out here sacrificing. I used to live in a beautiful home in Plainfield, and then I moved to Oak Park, and I moved right here in the inner city. I used to drive a luxury car. I got, I got rid of all of that, and 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 I, I said, you know, I, these few years I have left, I want to give it all to the ministry. And I said, why me? And, and, and you know, I, I got somewhat depressed and all of that, but then God started moving. One of the ladies told me, <clears throat> One of the ladies told me, she texted me, I'm praying for you. I know a book is getting ready to be birthed. I'm, I'm saying a book, a book gonna be written. Yeah, how I walked away from the church, you know what I mean? All the sacrifices I've done, 
Yeah, and I, I kind of got ticked off by the text. But then uh, it's like the spirit started moving and, 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 and uh, I started picking up my Bible again, like I should have been in the first place. I just got to be honest. Yeah, me too. And, and the Lord started speaking to me various subjects. And uh, <clears throat> to make a long story short, I have a, a perspective now that God has given me another chance. And um, uh, I could have been dead. I could have been a fatality. But since God has given me another chance, uh, it's no time to think, well, I made it. I survived. Forget everybody. I'm not thinking about the church now. Me and my wife are going to live our lives now. We, we, no time for that. Ain't no time for going to see the world, vacationing, um, uh, about me and my, my retirement. No. God has given, he saved me for a reason. God has given me another chance. And, and I'm just, I, I just put together some templates of what does this mean when God gives you another chance. And uh, one of the things is, is simply this, live out your mission and the purpose God has given you. You know, my purpose have not changed, but I've went through COVID-19 and I've changed. That's what I should be like Marvin Sapp said, stronger, wiser, and better. I have changed. And so I should be able to be more efficient and more effective with my assignment. I, I believe, I know for, for a fact <clears throat> that, uh, I will be a better husband, and um, and and um, I know that because I'm I'm blessed to have a wonderful wife by my side, and just like Pastor Hunter's wife, my wife she 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 she, she kicked COVID 19s butt. She had a couple of days; it felt like she had the flu or something, and and she was back rolling, you know, even though she had tested positive. But me, I had a struggle, uh, you know, but never. You you know you know women are stronger than men. You you do know you both of y'all realize that. They, right? they, you know what I mean? She probably felt as <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. She got a high <laughs> level. These women have a high level of pain tolerance. They can handle pain. You know why, don't you? Yeah, I guess you're gonna tell me. I think I know. <laughs> what, what what you think you know? Al Baron. I was gonna say we had a babies. That's right. You, if you can go through that, everything else is downhill. That's and right. we love our queens. We <laughs> love for you all. You know, I just thought about something as you were speaking, Reverend. Now, I could have gotten COVID from another place because before I tested, I had lunch with Reverend and spent about four hours with him. You had lunch with who? With Reverend Acri, and I spent about... He thinks he, he may have gotten it. Oh, <laughs> I could have gotten it from him. I spent four hours with him, and we were less than three feet apart, eating. Okay. Um, I don't want no foolishness on my TV show. So, uh, okay, maybe so. Well, I'm just saying. I but may, I, may I weigh in on this and how I felt and how I feel this better, man? Listen, when I first contracted it, and, 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 and this is the truth. This is, God knows it's the truth. I never charged God foolishly. I, I continued to tell, I told God, listen, any way you bless me, I'm satisfied. But I, I told him I'm hurting, I'm afraid. I became nervous. I was bewildered because I, 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 was in a I was in a situation that I could not control. For one of those moments in my life where I couldn't control what the next step was going to be. Sure. And people that I thought should have had answers for me were looking at me because I, I have a wonderful doctor, very brilliant young lady. And I have so much respect for her and her, her mind and what she does. But she said, Reverend, I don't, we stuck. There are no answers. She said, I said, yeah, that is. And she said, what is that? I said, it's God. 
And I was praying. And my prayer life began to get stronger. And I became more enlightened and aware. Listen, as to who God really was. And God began to take me into pandemic scriptures. There are scriptures in the Bible where God has sent plagues and pandemics. And I began to watch how those people acted. And a lot of the feelings that I had, these same people had it. But they wait. But the, the, the power of the deliverance was in one common denominator. And you know what that was? Time. So I said, God, every day you wake me up, I'm going to act like it is the best day. Yes. And I'm going to appreciate it like I've never appreciated it. Mm-hmm. And I know I seem weird to people that I'm around, but I love on people. I try to keep my word. I feel really bad when I mess up and, and, and you know, I don't make the mark. I honestly feel godly bad and I want to fix it. And, you know, and I do what I can within my power to do that. I'm a better man. Vaccine development for COVID-19 is proceeding at a pace that is far faster than any vaccine development in history. Dr. Baruch is the director of the Center for Virology and Vaccine Research at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center. He has led groundbreaking work on vaccines for HIV and Zika. Are you concerned you're moving too fast? The goal is not to compromise patient safety at all, because ultimately a vaccine absolutely must be safe if it's going to be administered to large numbers of healthy people. Researchers are taking part of the coronavirus DNA and transferring it into a weak and common cold virus. After it is placed into a cell, the body will produce antibodies triggering an immune response. So from this experience, the COVID experience, the, uh, the church, essential, not essential, but having to stop the physical church. What advice do you give others? What's your advice to others on contacting COVID and the healthy things? What should we do? What should we know to do? Based on your experience now, just based on your real live experiences that, uh, that you had. You should get plenty of rest. Mm. should eat healthy, mm-hmm. take advantage of the quarantine of the stay-at-homes, uh, even if they're, if they're opening up the city. Stay at home as much as you can and, and get as much rest as you can. The body does its best work when, it's rest. when you get rest. Eat as healthy as you possibly can and strengthen your prayer life. Talk to God. When you talk to God, he listens. And I promise you, he'll respond. Reverend Ankry, what's your advice? I can really just basically say amen to that because rest was key for me. Rest was key for me. And staying away from other people, um, <clears throat> eating healthy, that's very important. And, and also, uh, <laughs> I, I drank a lot of warm tea, you know, a lot of warm tea. That was good for me. And check this out. This is I'm gonna throw this in for free because you know, knowing a lot of people, I know Reverend Hunter know about this. Man, everybody was coming with all these various remedies. Man, yes, take yes. this, do this. Well, I want to go to the. You can take this one to the bank. Uh, my auntie and another member of my church who's a nurse said they had some stuff where you put the the, the peel of oranges and lemons and some ginger and some water and some. 
uh, what do you call it, some sea salt, boil it, and uh, and just hover yeah. over the pot. <clears throat> the vapors get up in your system, and it just cleans you up, and it just makes the virus want to run. They hate it. And and so I. So what is that? Give me give me the uh, elements again. Uh, the lemon peel, orange peel, um, sea salt. Sea salt. And, um, and that's all I really did most of the time. But some people put ginger in there. I, I just did that, and it worked for me. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. And it works. The, the key to it, though, is you can't let it get too hot because if it's too hot, it'll do to you what the ventilator will do. Sometimes it'll, it'll, yeah. it messes with the lung. So you inhale it? Inhale it. You right. put it you over it. and you it's inhale it? And it right. feels good. It shouldn't burn you. It, it, it really feels good. It opens you up. Right. Reverend Hunter, what, what were your remedies? Well, that was one that works. What he just yeah, said. Yeah. Yes. Then I make a, uh, I take a hemp. I take hemp. Uh, no, not hemp. Turmeric. Turmeric. Turmeric tea mm -hmm. with uh, one hundred percent grape, white grape juice, and mm -hmm. ginger. And I put that together in a tea, and that I drank that. And then I take a. Well, you know, coming from a country family, I got country ways. Men right accurate from around the same part. Yeah. Arkansas. So I take a little bite of the ginger and I just bite it raw until it's gone. Kind of chew on it like a gum. And that that helped. You know, now, I think Reverend Hunt, I think simple. I told you, I told you this when you told me you had, and I told you what my mother said, right? So Reverend Ackman, my mother said, take a shot of whiskey. Okay. So I yeah. said, why whiskey? She said, because whiskey kills germs. And she went back to the cowboy movies <laughs> and she went to the uh, World War II. And she talked about when you are on the field uh, and maybe couldn't get to the hospital, couldn't get to the doctor. She said, what did they do? And she, she went through this with me with an exercise. She said, what did they do? And I said, I don't know. And she said, you, give a, you do a shot of whiskey. You put the whiskey in the wound. <laughs> so that'll kill the germ. And then you take a shot of whiskey so they can take the bullet out or do whatever they got to do. So she was saying, when you want to kill a germ, take a shot. She said, no, you don't got to get drunk. You don't have to do it every night. But put some whiskey and some alcohol in your system. And she was specific about don't take wine. Don't drink champagne. Don't take gin. Take you a shot of real whiskey. Well, Reverend uh, Turner, I'm trying to... Reverend Turner, he uh, is the one that told me about some urban moonshine. I, and, See, uh, there you go. He told me about that. <clears throat> and, um, you know, uh, alcohol is a little too strong for me, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Turner would come up with urban moonshine. Ah, and you got to share this powerful. with you. From the, the, the nutrition store. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's some good stuff. I wish you, I went, you went and got you some whiskey from the nutrition store. It's a it's a moonshine. It's a mixture of stuff. A moonshine. Well, I'm there tomorrow. I'll check it out. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Hameen, another thing that you didn't mention that you said to me that was so valuable in this that I really think that we should get out there, and that is that zinc. The zinc zinc yeah is in for me. Yeah. So I went to the store and I got zinc, and I I did I do take my vitamin B12 right. Oh, and I make sure that I have my vitamin D. And uh, the and I take a uh, a mixture. The school teachers use it. It's called emergency. Emergency. That's right. So yeah, really, the the doctors don't quite know 
what to do. We don't have a vaccine. We don't have any, any, any medication for it. So these home remedies are legitimate and work. Yes. Yes. Right? So, so, you know, they're saying as they seek cure and they seek uh, vaccine, What's that? Clear chest. That's your uh, nutritional moonshine place. <laughs> That's what Dr. Turner, the president of the Baptist Ministers Fellowship, hey, Chicago and vicinity gave me. Yes, he did. So when we promote this show, we're going to say, Reverend Hunter and Acri, scandal on the church. <laughs> hey, it saved our lives. It saved our lives that it worked, right? Yes, so uh, there, as we look for remedy, and we look for cure, we look for vaccine. They're saying that blood and plasma can, can help with the mystery of, of, of this, um, this COVID-19. So my question is, would you donate for the cure or what you thought might be the cure for COVID? Absolutely. Donate blood plasma? Absolutely. You would? Absolutely. Yeah. Certainly. No, no reservations whatsoever. What do you think about, why do you think COVID-19 is affecting the African-American community more than others? We're disproportionate. Well, you know. Uh, why is that? Access to health care. Right. Access mm -hmm. to health care has always been a challenge for us. Mm -hmm. And we have also been victimized by the systemic racism, uh, which has affected us having opportunities uh, for jobs. And then we have these essential jobs. We're driving buses. We're doing the housekeeping. We're doing all of these things. We're the CNAs. We're the people who are transporting people in the hospital. You know, we have all these particular uh, jobs. And then also we have multiple people staying in homes and we're not able to social distance. So you got a multiplicity of factors that lead to why black people are the number one um, these <clears throat> uh, leads in the uh, homeless, uh, pardon me, in fatalities and also people who contracted the virus. That's, that's, those are the reasons. He is absolutely right. I absolutely agree. Uh, that is why I think that we need to do a forensic audit of the Kerner Commission, which was a commission uh, report that was put together in 1967 after the riots of Dr. King. And they were put at the end of that commission, it, 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 uh, it talked about separate and unequal uh, to Americas, but also in the middle of it, it talked about things that they could do to change the disparities of, of our black people in this country. What we discovered is CEDA was supposed to be that end all be all of it. And it has never met its goal. It has never met the goal of bringing us to economic uh, 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 equality in this country. And, and that is the problem that we have. It is about, this is economics. Yes. Right now, I'm trying to do an affordable housing project in Lawndale. I'm having a problem with getting that project off the ground in Lawndale because of BPI. BPI is a direct result. Uh, uh, their, their existence is there because of the Kerner Commission and what they were supposed to do in terms of fair housing. They came about as a result of the Fair Housing Act of 1968. And they were supposed to make sure that black people could have good housing, safe housing, and so on and so forth. We are unable to socialize our people and BPI been around since 1968 and nobody is questioning them. And they just renewed their consent decree with CHA. 
And they're sending our people to Freeport and other places where they're being racially mistreated. And, and nobody is saying anything about it. We have to get back to realizing that the problem with black people is not that they're black, it's they ain't got no money. Right. So you yep. see it as economic. So we've got, the, we've got the food deserts in our communities. We've got the health deserts in our communities. We've got the, the discrimination. So it was kind of predictable that COVID-19 would hit us harder. Absolutely. Than most. That, was Absolutely. Not, that was not surprise. Absolutely. And the funny part about it, when it first hit, everybody was saying they were falling for the myth. This is a white man's disease. Right. Blacks are getting it. But the truth of the matter is, in this country, you've heard it before. When white people get the flu, African-Americans get pneumonia. pneumonia. Yeah. yeah. And can I say this? A lot of people are beating up on this mayor. And they're saying, you know, that, that she's the problem. One of the things I can say good about the mayor, since I never get a chance to say good stuff about her, <laughs> she wants to help. And she has said to me that she wants to put this housing project in Lawndale. BPI is tying her hands as if they're just ignoring the fact that we cannot socialize our people under the present living conditions that they're in. And something has to change. And I think COVID-19 and the, the present uh, rise that we're having need to become a catalyst to help us get to that point. How do you think COVID-19, this is, this is our last question, how do you think COVID-19 has changed the world? And I ask you that as a minister, but I also ask you, you've experienced this, you've had this. How has the world change? How will the world change? Let me just say one thing and then pass it. And, and, you know, I haven't had much time to think about that. But one question, one thing that comes to mind is uh, people of faith have had a, had an awakening. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you that much. People and the people are thinking about God mm -hmm. more, even if they make the determination that I'm not going to have a spiritual relationship, mm -hmm. but people have had to pause and say there is something uh, bigger than us that has shaken this world up. And in my, in my faith community, people who hadn't been to my church in three, four, five, six, seven years have joined church uh, by way of email, which is bizarre to me, but you know, you gotta go along with it. And, 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 and some people have text back five, five, four, six, nine, coming home, all that kind of stuff, or I'm joining. And I'm saying, wait a minute. You, when the church was congregating, you weren't even coming. It was, but this has been a stimulus. It, it, it this really has been has. a stimulus. Now, when, when will you open your doors back up? Have you, have you made a firm decision on that? Uh, I have not made a firm de decision. Um, <clears throat> uh, I, I'm thinking, Reverend Hunter said July. I, I think mine may be August, but what I don't want to happen is I don't want to open the church up for, for two months and have to close it back again. Right. I don't want to be dealing with all that. Kind how of will you how will you deal with social distancing in in the in the church? Um well first of all, I may do like <laughs> since, since since the church is an institution, I may do like Donald Trump. You know, Donald Trump at his rallies, he's gonna have people sign uh some uh <laughs> some waivers saying that they will not sue the Trump campaign if they contract okay. COVID-19. I'm really <laughs> joking about that, but that blew my mind that it's gonna be a lot of people doing that, you know, but uh, I, um, I, I'm i not looking forward to having, my, my, my facility, like I said, it's 400. I'm not looking 
forward to having 300 people, 200 people in my congregation uh, in the midst of this pandemic. I'm just not. I mean, I mean, let me tell you, my chairman, when he passed, <clears throat> I had to do his service. I hate to sound like some weirdo, but when I came from the side to get ready to preach at his service, and there were like 12 people with masks on and gloves, and I looked out there, I nearly passed out. It was a sight to see. I don't want to see 200 people in my church, 300 people with masks on. I, I mean, that's bizarre. It's a little scary too, isn't it? It's scary. It's crazy. And it, it, I think it's going to mess with everybody's psyche because they're not used to it either. And uh, and at my church, I'm I'm this is the West Side. So um, <laughs> at my church, I don't 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 nobody get scared, but. I hug my mother. Hey, Mother Johnson, come here, get over here, give me some love. God bless you. Hey, Brother Johnson, you all right, man? Good to see you, boy. Mm. You know, all of that is gone. We can't do that no more. You know, we can't. We can't do it. Because even somebody coming to me, as much as I do that, got 30 years of doing it, I'm going to do like this. <laughs> You're going to do, do the ball. All of that is gone. And so, you know, um, I, I just tell you, we really have our hands full. I'm thinking, however, that was a long answer. I think I'm thinking we may get in there in August. Reverend Adam, what's your what's your firm? I was initially thinking August, but I I tell you, Reverend Chris Harris, and that bunch helped me to make my mind up to go in okay. the first. I'm going to open up my church with faith and without reservation. The first of July. First of July with faith and without reservation. How will you practice the protocols of COVID? With faith and without reservation. But does that, will that mean mask and social distancing? If I can get enough mask, I'll have masks. Uh, if we can practice social distance to the degree that we can, we will. But here's, and here's why. If you can put 10,000 people in a march mm -hmm. about somebody that died in Minnesota, then I can put 50 people in a church and believe God of heal. Paul said, about a man who died on Calvary, right? Paul said, I can be bit by serpents and won't die. Now, I got to believe that. I should have been dead, but I didn't die. Now, there's a reason why. It ain't because I'm good. It ain't because I haven't sinned. It's because God looked beyond my fault and provided my need, my need to be here to finish the purpose that I have. I am going to open those doors with faith and without reservation. I'm going to open it believing that God is going to take care of every soul that walks in there and that he's going to deliver them from the plight of their sin. And we're going to praise him and we're going home. I'm going to do the best I can to stay safe and, and encourage my people to do so. But and my I'll, answer to you is with faith and without reservation. We got to get out of this fear thing. Reverend Hunter, on that note, I thank you both. Pastor Hunter, Reverend Ackery, and I'm so glad you all shared your thoughts with us today. And I'm so glad you're well. Home remedies work. Amen. Thank you. Hey, I love you, man. Love you, man. Love Thank you, you both. Thank you so much.
message to the American people is that I know that there's a lot of concern and, and energy about getting back to normal. It's a great stress on people to be locked in, but there's a fundamental basic thing that you should be doing is don't throw all caution to the wind so that you can open up and help the economy by getting jobs back and doing things like that. But that doesn't mean that you walk around without a mask, that you jump into a crowd, that you stop washing your hands, that you stop doing the things that are important. So, so the plea is that from a public health standpoint, you'd want to do it this way. If you're not going to do it this way, then at least do these things. This has been a special report from Indigo Studio brought to you in partnership with the McCormick Foundation. The McCormick Foundation um, is, uh, provides grants for education, information, and engaging citizens. And that's what we've done today. We, I hope we've given you some good information and in education, but most importantly, we have engaged citizens on COVID-19 and what it means, what it has meant to stay home for the last two months. Good luck to all of us and God bless, God bless us all.